This is Birth Confidential with TJ. If you like the episodes, I hope that you rate and review them. It helps out the podcast a lot for other people to be able to see it. I've gotten a lot of messages, people really enjoying these stories. So that makes me really happy that you like them and you're listening to them. This episode is with Garrett. He and his husband, Travis, live in Utah, and he shares an extremely emotional time that they went through during their foster to adopt process. One thing I really loved about this episode is how positive Garrett is. They had their hearts completely shattered, but ultimately decided not to give up on their dream of having a family. I personally left this conversation feeling like the sky is the limit for me when it comes to expanding my own family. So I hope that you enjoy this episode as much as I did. And if you've been considering fostering or fostering to adopt, consider this your sign to just go for it. Hi, Garrett. It's been a long time. I love seeing your photos on Facebook and Instagram. Your family is so beautiful. Thank you. We're very lucky, to say the least. Well, do you just want to give me a little backstory on how you and Travis met? We're one of those couples that had mutual friends, but then we ended up talking and like visiting first at the gym. We each were dating somebody at the time, so we were just like friends for the time being. And then things ended with our other significant others. Then we decided to go out and then... We got engaged really quick. It was like two or three months that we dated. Wow. Yeah. And then we were engaged for probably a year and a half before we got married. We got married in 2016. So we've been married for almost five years. Been together for about six and a half, almost seven. Did you get married in Utah? We did. We did. All of our family is here. So it made it easy. So yeah, that's a little bit about our story. Um, So when did you guys decide that you wanted to be parents so on our first like the first time we ever hung out he came to my apartment and we ended up going on a walk and I still remember it very distinctly like that was one thing he asked him if he ever wanted kids and he said yes I've always wanted a family and um, I've always wanted to to find someone who wants similar and that was one of the things that made me realize that I wanted to be with him and uh, really why I fell in love with him because he always, always wanted a family. He's always, always talked about it. We just didn't know what that looked like Uh um, or how we would get there. But we both grew up with big families, both grew up like always wanting to have kids. And as a side note, that was one of the hardest parts of like coming out is my parents didn't think like we're never going to have grandkids and and that sort of thing which was hard because I didn't feel like it was like a game stopper like you're gay so you can't have kids right that was like one of the first times we ever hung out just the two of us and I just I can still remember that moment oh so did you weigh out all the different options of ways to have a family we did you know we took some time to really figure that out because think about doing surrogacy and we still may to expand our family in the future it was just when we looked into it it was so expensive and then so we decided okay well what else and we went down the like private adoption road and we're looking into that and then we started to hear different stories and heartbreaks with it a couple of friends that 
you know, they didn't end up with the child they thought they were going to. And so that scared us. And it's also not super cheap, mm-hmm. um, which was hard because we're both at this point, we're in our early 20s, mid 20s, both going to school. So financing like wasn't really in the books. Right. So that's really where we, you know, started thinking, okay, well, what else? And I had a, a manager whose daughter worked for DCFS here in Utah. And my manager said one day, Hey, you know, there's such a need for foster parents. Have you guys ever thought about going down that road? And at that point, like we knew nothing about it. We had like growing up, you know, foster kids in your school and different things, but I had never thought about being like a foster parent per se. And so she got me in touch with her daughter and her and I had a long conversation and she warned us up front that it could be very hard emotionally. Yeah. Because there's no guarantee that you'll end up adopting the kid. Right. And we learned that. I don't know if you followed that on our Instagram, but. Yeah, I saw a little bit about it, but I didn't know the full story behind what happened. Yeah. Do you want me to share a little bit about it? Yeah, if you don't mind. Yeah, of course. It's been long enough that I probably won't tear up about it, but it's okay if you do. (laughs) I cry about everything. So it was one of those, like, it was a horror story and it was, and it still is probably the hardest thing that I've ever gone through in my life because, you know, Travis and I had always dreamed of this family and we, you know, spent hours and hours getting our license and going to classes and doing all the things that you have to do to become a foster parent. What all do they require you to do? So in Utah, they require you to, you have to do so many hours of classes. And it was like twice a week or once a week that we went for like four or five hours for like six or seven weeks. It was a while. Wow. And then like your house has to be like, you have to have a home study done and you have to have fire extinguishers and fire like smoke detectors in every room and they come and they check all of this yeah locks on alcohol locks on baby proof your house before you even have a baby basically it's a lot to be honest and we went through all of this and we had told them up front we said you know we really just want to like foster to adopt we don't want to foster and then have to give the kid back to their families like we want only be placed with those that are most likely going to be adopted and once we got our license it was like may or june and two weeks later they called us with a placement and said hey there's this little baby he's been exposed to different drugs in the womb but he is at the hospital in the NICU would you guys want to go see him and perhaps be placed with him And we talked about it and we thought, you know, we had the nursery ready. We had everything ready. So we said yes. And we spent, I think it was three or four weeks going to the NICU and being with him every single night. Mm -hmm. And, you know, no family, none of his family. He was basically abandoned at the hospital. Um, He weighed about three pounds when he was born. Oh, my goodness. He was premature and just he could literally fit in the palm of our hands. And he would just like the withdrawal symptoms, he would just shake and it would break your heart because he would just go through these spazzes and he would just cry. And we just loved him like it bonded us and it bonded Travis and I together. And then 
after those three weeks, he came home with us. We took him home from the hospital and he was with us for about seven months. And then we found out that his grandma that lived in another state, um, she came forward and said that she wanted him. And this was after we had been told over and over again, like, get ready to adopt him. Because in Utah, you have to take classes prior to an adoption as well. Mm-hmm. So we took those classes. We filed all of the paperwork with the courts to adopt him. Um, after two or three hearings and trial, like uh, different things with the courts, the judge ruled in the favor of the grandma saying that she came forward and it was her legal right to him. And long story short, it went to an appellate court and it was reversed and then it was reversed again. And so like this ongoing battle, legal battle for like a month or two that just like it destroyed us. It was the hardest time. So he was with us about eight months and then he moved. I can still picture the day he left and the caseworker, it was like a scene from the movie. Uh, the caseworker came and knocked on the door and she took him and she took his stuff. And um, they went to the airport and I can just still picture them driving away. And that was the last time we ever saw him. Oh my gosh, that is heartbreaking. I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. It was hard. And it's something I don't think time will ever heal to be honest it's always a part of me but like I can tell myself if I can get through something like that because the day after um, Travis and I our friends bought us ski passes we went skiing and I broke my leg and tore my ACL while we were oh my gosh oh no so on top of that I then was on crutches for like three months (laughs) No, that is not good. And between the combination, because like the gym is like my release and not having the gym, not having our son, it was a very dark period of my life. And we like after that, Travis and I, we said, you know, we don't want to, we don't know if we can do this anymore. Yeah, it's a cheaper route to build your family, but like the emotional toll that it took on us and the heartache it caused like within our marriage too like because when two people are stressed and struggling like it was hard but in the end it bonded us closer because we helped each other through it yeah did you know that the grandma was around no and that was the legal battle is in utah you have 120 days to come forward if your family and she kind of sort of made an inclination that she would take him if she had to. And because she said that prior to the 120 days, she had that right to have him. It's a gray area. Yeah. Part of the reason why I've gotten, so I've gotten my master's degree in forensic psychology, but then I also was just accepted into law school. And that's awesome the driving force is because I want to fix those areas in the law that don't protect foster parents Mm -hmm. or foster kids because his life changed overnight. The home he only knew to living with, you know, his grandma, but his grandma's in her seventies and she's not going to be around that long and got no other family. 
was it the mom or the dad's mom? The mom. There wasn't any, they weren't sure who the dad was. And the birth mom wasn't around in her, the mom's life either? No. So the grandma lived out of state and that's a whole nother story. So birth mom came to Utah to give up the son and there was adoptive parents that were planning to adopt the baby and she wouldn't sign over her rights and went home brokenhearted and without a child. And so she kind of fooled the system and got everything paid for. And then she just left the hospital and we never saw her again. Like nobody ever saw her again. Wow. I used to do social work in between radio jobs where I would take kids who were removed from the home on Mm -hmm. visits with their families. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was horrific. I can't imagine what these poor kids think. But watching these little kids not understand why they couldn't leave with their parents and go back to this foster family who doesn't speak English. How do you explain that to a two-year-old or a one-year-old? Right. And some of the foster families were worse than the homes that they were removed from. We think about that a lot, fostering after doing that job. But it seems so hard. It is hard. And it's not for, it's not for everybody. And it's definitely not for what you were saying. There's a lot of people who do it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Unfortunately. And it ends up being a worse place for the kids than their normal, like their their bio homes. One thing that we were told, I became really close to our caseworker through all of that. And she told me something that I'll never forget. She said, if it doesn't break your heart then you're not doing it right. Yeah. And that goes, I think, both ways. Because like you think of our situation, and I can use his name because we named him and then it was changed. So Jackson, um, that was the case with Jackson. Like our hearts were broken. And then fast forward to like our kids now and your heart breaks for them. And especially when you look back at like the pictures from when they're first born, yeah. And the substances that are in their system, you can just see it in their eyes. Um, I don't know if you experienced that working as a social worker, but you can you can see it and you can just tell that they aren't like they're sick and they had no choice. They had no ability to choose that life. They were given it and it breaks your heart. How long before you decided that you wanted to continue on with your journey of becoming a family. Jackson was moved in January. That was 2019. Um, And we we kept our license because if you don't keep it, then you have to do everything again. And we didn't want to do that per se. So we kept it and they called us probably two, three, four times saying, hey, we have these kids, do you want them? And we just like, it didn't feel right. It wasn't until October of that year. So, I mean, it was fairly quick. It felt like forever, but it was October of 2019 that we got a phone call and they told us, Hey, we have this six month old. So we got Liam when he was six months. Um, He had been placed at another foster home with his two siblings that had already been adopted. And it was a single mom and she was taking care of three kids under the age of three. Wow. Yeah, I couldn't do it. That's no, that's a (laughs) lot. I can barely take care of my four-year-old and I have a husband. Right. (laughs) 
I admire her because she came to the state and said, hey, you know, I can't do this. I can't give him the life that he needs and he deserves. So they called us and there was actually the way it works here is they have an adoption committee. So they take the families who just want to adopt and they review their profiles and whatnot. And they narrowed it down to three families and they called us and said, Hey, you're one of three families. Do you guys want to pursue this and have your names presented to this committee? And it just, it just seemed too perfect and too real to be true. Cause she told us, Hey, he's a little, you know, little cute kid with blonde hair and blue eyes. I have blonde hair, blue eyes. Yeah. It just felt like fate. And I told Travis, I said, like, I have this feeling that we need to do this. And he said, are you sure that we're ready for this? Because if you can't get your hopes up and I don't want to see you heartbroken again. And so after about a week, we called him back and said, yes, we'd like to be considered. So you have someone that represents you in the committee And she didn't really know us because they covered geographical areas. And so she said to us, why don't you write a letter and like present yourselves? And so we wrote this letter and I honestly think it was the letter that, that made the difference. I still have a copy of it. It's actually framed. Oh, I love that. But we put like um, pictures of us and we just talked about like the heartache that we went through and how we were ready to open our hearts up again. And I still remember that same friend that introduced me to foster care. She texts me with this like smiley crying emoji. And I was like, what do you know? This was after <laughs> we had met. And she's like, I'm not supposed to say anything, but you guys were picked. Yay. Then it was just like two days later and he was moved into our house and life changed very quickly. Wow. So you knew you would be able to adopt him. Like you could adopt him. Like he yeah. was yours going yep. into it. He, they had already went through like the termination of parental rights and they had done all of that. So he was like legally free of any family. Mm-hmm. And so it was literally, we got him in October, the end of October, and we adopted him six days before Christmas. So two and a half months, maybe. How was the adjustment period with him moving in at six months? Actually, totally fine. It was almost like we picked up right where we left off with our first one because Jackson was so little. Like even when he was eight months old, he was barely wearing six month clothes. We had just happened to keep all of that stuff. And so we had everything and it was just right when, where we left off, we picked up and it just was perfect. Like, that's why I say that we're so lucky is because I don't know that it was just a coincidence that it all just perfect. Yes. Fate. Fate. Absolutely. So it took you just a couple months to legally adopt him then. Right. And then what happens next? Do you have a relationship with the mom? who adopted his siblings? Kind of, sort of. It's a weird dynamic that we don't really know how to approach still because mm-hmm. COVID hit. Mm. The plan originally was that like we would get them together so they all knew each other. 
then the pandemic came and that kind of changed everything. Yeah. So we've exchanged pictures with her and she sent pictures to us and we've um, talked about getting together in the future. How we approach that in the future, I don't know. The whole thing is like a nightmare to think about when you think of the conversation that's going to be with them when they're older. Uh So like it's something that's in the back of my mind because it is a conversation that already, already breaks my heart to have. Yeah. Because I hope that they see that we were there for them when they needed us and they don't like they aren't mad at us for taking them away from, you know, their siblings or their parents. Yeah, that's I hope and pray that they understand like that we really are trying to give them a better life. Yeah, they will. I mean, of course, I'm sure it happens, but they're going to be very thankful. But you have. You have a sibling. Yes. Now. It had been in the back of our mind because their mom is young. She's only 25. And she already has four kids. And they had asked us if we would be open to taking more of their kids if they had any. They have the same mom and dad? Yes. So we <laughs> we said yes because we thought if we said no, then maybe they wouldn't choose us. I still have that thought in the back of my mind, like, okay, it's been nine months. Are we going to get a phone call any day? Yeah. So she just keeps having babies. Yes, she does. They're cute kids though. So it's okay. Yeah, they are really cute. They are cute. Does she do drugs? Like, is that why they're removed out of the home? Yeah. So they were both fetally exposed to a variety of drugs. Um, Obviously, we didn't have to go through the withdrawals with Liam. Yeah. Six months when we got him. So we had moved into our new home. Um, It was a weekend in September. And Travis and I had both taken time off of work to... We had ripped out all the flooring in our house. Him and I together. So (laughs) we have about a year-old son at this point. All of the flooring in our house is down to, like, the wood. Yeah. And I went to pick up Liam from daycare. And when I'm there, Travis calls me. And usually when Travis calls me, like, he doesn't really call me. He texts me a lot. I was like, why is he calling me? And I answer it. And he's like crying hysterically. And the only other time that has happened is when his grandpa died. Oh, (laughs) no. Who died? (laughs) What's wrong? And he said, no. Liam has a little sister. And I said, what? Oh, you're going to make me cry. I got goosebumps. He's like, yeah, they just called and they asked if we wanted to, to take her. And at that point, I'm like in shock. And I, I said, why don't we talk about this when I get home? <laughs> <laughs> like, we don't have floors. We don't have floors. Our house is <laughs> like a construction zone. I get home and he had talked to the caseworker again. She calls and we ask her, okay, so what's the time frame? Like, when was she born? She was born like three or four days before that. And she was being released the next day. And they said, so really, we need you to guys to decide in the next few hours if you want her because she's getting discharged in the morning. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So we 12 hours. And we literally, because I was in the middle of my master's program. Travis is in the middle of nursing school. Our house is a construction zone. (laughs) 
And it just seems like the worst timing in the world. Honestly, we went to bed that night, both like heartbroken because we didn't think we were going to say yes. And then we woke up the next morning and Travis was like, all right, how are we going to go get her? And I said, oh, so we're going to say yes. And he said, how could we say no? And that's when it hit me. And that's when I had my moment of, you know, how could I, how could I not say yes to keeping these two together? That conversation that is already going to be hard would even be worse if I said, you know, we said no to having your sister. And it was the worst timing. Just so anybody out there who listens, like it's never going to be a good time. You're never going to be ready. You're never going to feel ready. The biggest thing for me was just having Travis and like the support that we had for one another and the love that we have. Mm -hmm. Like I couldn't do it without him. So we went to the hospital and we, well, first I went to Walmart and I like walked around the store just like, what do we even need? Like (laughs) diapers, pink onesies. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Guys trying to have a little girl. (laughs) I don't know how any very different. Yeah. Yes. And so that was that morning. And then mid-morning we went and picked her up. And long story short, she has been with us since we were able to adopt her about two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. Thank you. And things are great. She's healthy. He's Liam's healthy. They're, they're just the joy of our life, to be honest. Did she have withdrawals too, when she came home with y'all? She didn't. She wasn't as bad as Jackson was because she was only exposed to a couple of drugs versus like all of them, all of the bad ones. Uh-huh. Um, so she didn't have like the shakes and she just really had like the physical, she was teeny. She was the size of my hand. Yeah. Um, they're both very little. Like she still wears like three month old clothes and she's almost eight months. Oh, so yeah, they're both very small. What do you do to help them when they're going through that? That's the hard part is there's really not a lot you can do besides just you just have to love them through it. With Jackson, we just had to sit there and we had to hold him while he shook. And it was sad because he would literally like he would shake so bad in his sleep that he would wake himself up. And then he would just cry and scream. And so that's what I would say to that is just, you just have to love them through it. And that's what we had to do with Liam. Like, cause Liam, even now, like he may have like attention deficit disorder, like ADHD, mm-hmm. just like with your kids and everyone else's like, you just love them through the hard time. And you make it work. Not easy, but... I wouldn't know what to do. The amount of times that I took my infant to the emergency room is insane. It's like not normal how often I ended up in the emergency room with my child because I'm like, I don't know what's happening. (laughs) (laughs) 
they just have to monitor them as far as initial like development issues. Neither of them have shown signs of that, which has been good. So do they think she's going to have more kids? They warned us. Like we joke about it, but I think y'all are going to have so many babies. (laughs) (laughs) When do you say no? I know. Oh my gosh. And that's really the full story, really. Like the full circle of the story is like we went from thinking like we wanted kids and then we got a kid and then we were heartbroken and we never thought we would do it again. Now we look at our life. I still like take a step back and I'm like, how in the hell do I have, like, how do I have two kids? (laughs) I went from having no kids to having two kids in less than what it was like a year. Exactly. And you just can't give up on your dreams and your goals and your life. ambition. I love that. Those little babies were meant for you. I would have to agree. And it's so funny because Liam looks like we go to the store, him and I together, and we'll still get, oh, I bet your mom is so jealous that he doesn't look like her because he looks just (laughs) like you. And I just shake my head and say, yeah, she really is. The story that you would have to tell behind that I know is not worth it. It's crazy. They look like us. Liam has blonde hair, blue eyes like me. Well, I saw the picture and I was like, oh, maybe I'll did surrogacy because they do look just like you. Right. He has similar eyes to Travis. And then Hadley actually has dark hair like Travis and blue eyes. So she looks a lot like he does. And Liam looks a lot like I do. And you wouldn't ever guess that they weren't like biologically related to us. Yeah. When you were going through the foster system, did you ever get pushback because you're a same sex couple? Surprisingly, no, we really haven't. That's awesome. That's part of the reason I wanted to go that route is because I wanted to break that stereotype because Like, if we're just being honest, like, it does take a special person and couple to be able to foster. You have to be a unique type of person to be okay to do that. And I think people realize that. And so, you know, if anybody gives me pushback, I will (laughs) tell them, you know what, like, then you do it. Like, you put your heart out there and open up your heart to being completely broken because that's basically what you're doing. And we both grew up Christian and a part of the church. And again, I would say pride myself on it because I feel like it is a Christ-like thing to do. If you want to give me pushback, like give me pushback and I will tell you, okay, then you show me what you're doing to better this world. I almost like it because I can use it as like a teaching moment for others. And that's what I love is I can open up my family to hopefully inspire others that, you know, Yeah, you can be gay. Like we have the most untraditional family that you could ever. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But y'all look like supermodels, your whole family. You and your husband, your wedding pictures. I'm like, oh, okay. I see you. I see you (laughs) over there looking all fly. You guys are both so hot. Thank you. I'm just very grateful and, and feel very lucky and blessed to have everything that I 
have like I was told when I came out as gay like oh you're not going to get married and it's very common in like the gay community like marriages they end often and it's sad and so for Travis and I to be together as long as we have is breaking a stereotype like I wanted to be married and then I wanted to have kids and I wanted to you know finish my master's degree and I look back and I'm turning 30 this year and I think I've literally accomplished every goal that I had even before I came out as gay. So whatever your, you know, love is, you just have to love it and go for it and not give up on your dreams. I love that. You're so positive. (laughs) You have to be an extremely special person to do what you're doing. First of all, I think you have to be strong in your marriage to be able to go through something like fostering or, or parenting in general. Like, Shout out to the single parents out there because, again, I couldn't do it. No. But, like, having a support system, whether that's your spouse or a family, like, I think that's huge. But then just holding true to, like, what your heart tells you. And I think as long as you're doing good and you're making the world a better place, as cliche as that sounds, like, I think that's really all of our callings is just giving what we can and loving. And if you have enough love in your heart to give that to another kid, I say you go for it. It isn't easy, but parenting isn't easy, whether it's your own kids or whether it's It's someone else's. (laughs) (laughs) Parenting is not easy. Especially when you got a sassy four-year-old. Or a two-year-old. Or a Uh, two-year-old. It's so much. I'm just like, what happened? Who are you? (laughs) Sometimes I think she's possessed. Like in the movie, The Exorcist. (laughs) Well, thank you for sharing. I loved it. I'm sorry that you had to go through the heartbreak. That's so sad. It's okay. Because without it, we probably wouldn't be where we're at. (laughs) To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.